almost the weekend again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen those videos? Uh, I don't know what the breed of dog is, but like it's the one where they scream, the screaming dogs. I oh think like yeah, huskies. the huskies. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, I love those videos. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that would feel so good to do a scream like a husky. Oh my god, they just really let loose. Like, they just kind of... It's this blood curdling. It's not like a roar. It's kind of like... I don't know, if I was in my mid-twenties at the shopping centre and they didn't have any, like, migorang and you just kind of look down at the floor and let your emotions yeah. out, that's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling ready to do a scream like that at some stage. Maybe today. Maybe this week. We'll have to find out. <laughs> Tune um, in next week to, to hear the story of Joe screaming at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, dude. How you doing? Uh, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, uh, man, I'm going to go straight into the video games. I yeah. had a really fun uncovering a hidden gem experience this week so Excellent. like i was hanging out um with my girlfriend's mum. she like listens to uh this abc radio show show called oh, i think it's like the games show or the games hour or something right. like that and it's just an hour every week where this host um plays video game music to a theme oh is that uh ian mcclarty Oh, I, uh, I don't know. I okay. don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Um, I feel like I would recognize the name, but I can't remember the host. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll look it up and get back to you next week. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's like really cool. And like the theme they had um, this week was like uh, horror and Australian uh, video game music. Oh, awesome. And, and I was just chilling out and this absolutely bumping track came on. It was so fucking good. And I was like, I'm going to check out this game based on on the music I heard because I'd never heard of the game. Anyway, I, I jumped on the Switch store and it was on sale. And so I picked up this game called Ring of Pain. Oh, I know Ring of Pain. That was developed by my friend Simon. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Ring of Pain. It's, yeah. it's like kind of another child of the slay the spire deck builder generation yeah but yeah. but it's got a couple of unique twists that just work so well in its favor um but yeah it was really fun to like go down a video game rabbit hole based on like a song i'd heard because like yeah. it's so it's so rare to hear video game music out in the wild um and yes yeah, so i picked up this game and holy shit it's like addicting as hell i went i went through the ring of pain wormhole oh um, hell yeah yeah it's cool it's it's really obtuse um i think if you if if i wasn't experienced with deck builders it might have like i might have struggled to understand some stuff because most of the mechanics aren't explained um yep and it's not like Slay the Spire where you can see all of the information. Like right. there'll be some things creatures do and like they're, they're doing the thing. You can see the stats changing, but like there's no status, for, like, like there's no status and there's no description for the status. So it's just like, you've got to keep in your head that that creature will do this thing, you know? Right, and so okay. like over time you kind of build a compendium of, in your head of how to like uh you know go about completing each level 
Right. But it's it's really fun. It's like it's got the most important thing um, that these kinds of games need to have, and that is spectacular balance. Like yeah, nice. It's really clutch. It's really good, um, and the decision making is really satisfying. Like you've got to make so many decisions every time you play, and like you know, the times that I lose, I made a mistake, and the times I win, I basically didn't make a mistake. So it's just like. That kind of thing is really hard to nail um, yeah. just across deck builders. And yeah, it's, it's really good, really fun. And like, obviously the music is fucking awesome. Um, yeah, you can tell, you can tell your buddy Simon I'm having fun tongue punching his ring of pain. <laughs> um, yeah, I will. I will for sure tell him that. Uh, we play Hunt every now and then in that Discord server that we hang Oh, on. cool. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool dude. Um, so Dan Golding actually is the name of the guy. Oh, um, right. Yeah, sorry. Ian McClarty's a different indie boy, but Dan oh. Golding is a, he did the um, soundtrack for the Frog Detective games that I mentioned in a couple of episodes ago. Oh, yep, 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 yep. What I mean? Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Ring of Pain. I haven't actually played it yet. I don't tell Simon, but <laughs> I haven't played it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I keep I seeing it come up and I'm like, oh, we'll play that one day, but yeah, I just never get to it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, it's like it's I've I've kind of just about finished it now. Like yep. I got to the point where I was just kind of beating it every time I play. Um yep. and now I'm back onto Slay the Spire and Oh shit. Oh, it's oh, he's my, back. Even though yeah, you've done everything in that game, haven't you? Uh not everything. Okay. Um I man, Slay the Spire is just a very interesting thing, right? Like I've got like two hundred and thirty hours in that game. I've oh, had moly. I've had fun the entire time and I probably am not even halfway through the content. Wow. Like, oh, like what the heck? Okay. It's it's just so huge. Mm. Um I, I think it's kind of like because there are four different characters and like four different sets of decks and yep. um like independent artifacts and then like the, the way the difficulty scales just keeps you coming back because there's, like, 20 difficulty levels for each character. Whereas, like, with Ring of Pain, it's it's one character and there's only three difficulty levels. Right. So, like, if you're kind of relatively experienced with deck builders, like, I just blasted through. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm back on Slay the Spire and that shit is fucking delicious. It's so good. I love that game. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I want to play some more of Slay the Spire. I, I remember showing it to you and you being like, this is it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, I remember that day. That was actually um, one of the times I came over and we played that the latest Amnesia entry. Um, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, it yes, was, it was. Yeah, yeah, it, right. It, it was really fucking hot in your room. And yeah, I was yeah. like, we got to go to the air conditioning We got to get out of here. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and then you were like, hey, I've got this game. You might be interested. And like, you put the controller in my hands and it was like <laughs> love at first sight. I could not believe how fucking good Slay the Spy was. And yeah, I, I play it to this day. Yeah, and clocking over 200 hours into it, probably more. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Who, awesome. who knows? By the time I'm 40, I could just be uh, Slade the Spire personified. Yeah, you'll be like the human wiki of the game. 
Hell yeah, yeah. man. That's what awesome. about you? Yeah, it's been it's been good. I haven't been very productive this week. I've just like been playing Ring of Pain and Slay the Spire. They're really really fucking addictive. Like yeah, you've been warned. Um, <laughs> but but how you been, man? You've been playing any video games? I have. Um, I so I had a little bit of a mash em up style week of video games. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I started playing Prey again, which I only played oh, a little yeah. bit of, but yeah, mm-hmm. I played the first level of that, and um, we were talking about role-playing, so I was like, I wonder if I can imbue some role-playing into this experience, and when I booted it up, oh. I don't know if this was always in the game, but I sent you that picture of like the intro menu, and it's like, there's all these different modifiers that you can add to the experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can have like um, burns, and fractures, and suit punctures and all sorts of like tiredness you can add and all sorts of stuff so uh, i thought that was really cool about that i didn't know that you could do that and it's actually it makes the game quite a bit harder so i might um, even though i'm playing on normal i might turn on easy and see because it's like an interesting thing right you know like you add all of these challenge multipliers but then you can still put the game on easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's kind of cool that's really cool it i guess it depends on what like that um standard increment in difficulty does like if moving yeah. from normal to easy just means like enemies have less health or something like that then that'd be really fun to have like you know the pacing a bit faster because battles will be shorter but like yeah. you can have long lasting um injuries from those battles yeah yeah very cool yeah so they were yeah that was kind of an interesting little little find them and yeah. um and then I got uh, God of War, the new one. And I've oh, been yeah. Fiddling with that a little bit. Yeah. Fiddling. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Fiddling with Atreus. Love to hear it. Uh, yeah. How's it going? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People are like, it's the game of the year. It's the one to beat Elden Ring. You know, like, it's, it's very, like, um, the hype is very real. But I don't. For some reason, this time around, I ain't feeling it. It's like, it's kind of feels like as if they took the end of the last game and just mm-hmm. like sewed this on, you know, like just patched oh. it on there. It doesn't feel like a new game. It doesn't feel like they've really, maybe I'm just early on or something, but mm-hmm. it's very much the same experience. And a lot of stuff that they taught you in the first game, they don't bother to reteach you in the second game. So like how parries work and... Oh, you know, like the dodging system and all that sort of stuff. It, it's sort of... And there's, like, a bunch of abilities that you have pre-unlocked and you start with the Chaos Blades, pretty much, and it's just, like... I don't know. They, they didn't really, like, reset very much. It's just much... It's just, it's just like, here's more of the same. So right. Far, right. I mean, yeah. for a lot of people, that would kind of be the best-case scenario. More of yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, um, Maybe I had some expectations about, like doing other stuff in this game but it's just mm. very much like more more of the same dad and boy more um, more tank controls yeah. yay yeah and the menus are inscrutable again so that's not in your favor um oh, you no. end up playing this yeah the, the really they do like the whole um, mobile game first time user experience thing where like they will make you press the right button in order to progress uh, the tutorial. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they yeah. just like freeze every other button on the controller so you have to press the right button. Yeah. And I really don't it. like that. Yeah. I would yeah. rather like it's say, hey, uh, you know, here's the menus. Thanks. All right. See you next time. <laughs> you know, yeah, like and it's yeah, not like, yeah. okay, you need to equip the new um, gemstone into your blade. It's like, okay, press A. 
Okay, now press B <laughs> to exit the menu. Okay, now press start. Okay, no, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's another thing. And it's just like, it keeps telling you these things uh, and freezing the game up. And I don't, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, um, I mean, that that is honestly pretty consistent with the whole of the first game for me. Right, like, okay. They just had you play it exactly how they wanted you to play it. And they freezed up shit all the time with those menus. Like, yeah, that, that seems pretty consistent with the kind of design philosophy in that game. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, just the, the general menu flow feels a little bit, like, messy. There's, like, a map button, which is the left side of the big, you know, square PlayStation button that you press. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had it several times where I'll press the left side and it will bring up the other menu that's on the right-hand side, which is, like, the gear menu, I guess. Right. I'm like, is this just not... Is my controller busted or is this not the way I should be accessing the menu? Just, uh, I don't know, just, just little little things like that. Um, right. What Atreus, about the good... Sorry, what about no. the good i got one more bad a- 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 yeah. is similar to um horizon the new one forbidden west um uh-huh. there's this thing where aloy will just like tell you the solution to puzzles before you've had a chance to figure out what the puzzle is uh-huh, you know right. like you- you'll walk into a room and she's like i wonder if i can push that block it's like bitch l- let me look, let me look around the room. <laughs> um, and similar to god of war it's like you'll walk into a, an arena and atreus will be like hey there's something over here and it's like the solution to the puzzle just and i hate that man just like mm. let me have a go i'm playing the game not the ai <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i mean though atreus in particular in that first game had a lot of stuff like that where like mm. he was basically leading kratos's hand everywhere yeah. Um, whether it was a puzzle room or like, you know, it was, it was really obnoxious at times, you know, like yeah. I'd be doing main story and Atreus would basically talk directly to the player rather than yeah. Kratos. And they'd be like, you know, we could do some side missions right now. And it's like, dude, what? shut the fuck up. Is <laughs> yeah. this like an ad for side <laughs> missions in my uh, game? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Same, same thing with Horizon Forbidden West. It was like, it, it was any interaction. It was like. You'd walk along and you'd pick up like a healing plant or whatever off the ground and Aloy would be like, ah, I'll save this for later. And every time <laughs> she'd have like something to say about the thing that you just picked up. It's like, <laughs> let me turn it off. Let me, t- you've got so many good accessibility options. Let me turn off the dumb, <laughs> like inner monologue of the person being, coming out of the monologue. Oh uh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff sounds fair. What about the, you know, the... The, the first game had really good, like, set pieces and, yeah. and cinematic moments. Have they kept that up? Yeah. So there's, um, it starts pretty much the same pacing of the first game. There's, like, a little bit of a cinematic thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's an introduction to some new characters in the form of the first game. It was Boulder. In this one, it's Thor. You jump straight into Thor in the first 10 minutes. It's really, you know, oh. no spoilers there sick um and that that fight is really cool in the same way that the the boulder fight was really cool and dynamic this one is also the same um right man the same kind of crazy over the top action which imagine imagine just like a god of war game that was just like six to eight hours of boss rushes and they were all that like hyper curated dynamic flow and it was just boss after boss i would love that shit that shit would be so satisfying you speak in my language. I would love that too, man. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get something like that. But, uh, <laughs> Bro, that's not going to win a BAFTA. Yeah, yeah. It has that, like, 
Okay, so anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, th- they have that <laughs> intro, and they break the fourth wall in that intro, that, that, oh. that section where you're fighting Thor. This is a little bit of a spoiler, so if you care about God of War, oh, maybe do, do you want me to skip? Okay, cool. If you care about God of War, skip, skip forward maybe 35 seconds or something. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very minor spoiler, so if you don't really, it's not story related. Um, so yeah, you're fighting Thor, and um, he he kills you like at, at a certain point in the fight. I think it's forced death, like he, he like he just hits you, you can't dodge. Yeah. Um, and you get like the game over screen where it like gives you a tip for how to play the game and like lets you press a button to continue. You know that's great. Uh, yep. 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 Um, but he pulls you out of that screen by like hitting you in the chest with his like electrified hammer and he's like, don't no dying yet or something. <laughs> uh... like, this is so weird, man. This is some of the weirdest shit. Uh, it's like <laughs> Metal Gear Solid where like um, Psycho Man just is like, I see you like Castlevania. <laughs> I was half expecting him to like read my memory cards and be like, yeah, I see you've been playing Dead or Alive Beach Volleyball. Come over here. <laughs> you a Come... thing or two. Come over here, simp boy. Simp boy, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. So that was pretty weird. And um, <laughs> I mean, I liked it. And in, in the moment, I was like, whoa, fourth wall break in my God of War. All right, all right. <laughs> um, uh, and then final bad last little thing was some of the cinematic stuff is really uh, clunky. So like oh. they do the same thing where um, they don't cut the camera. They do the big long one for the whole mm-hmm. of the sequence. Um mm-hmm and they have it feels very and maybe this is me being a little bit of like a, a upper, upper echelon animator schnob or whatever but mm-hmm. um it feels like someone on a sound stage with a few motion capture actors running around and like trying to get the camera into an, an, a good spot for the shot it doesn't feel like they actually truly thought about what the, what the cinematography of each in particular like cinematography uh, so the cinematic choice that they should be making in each moment it just right. felt like oh we'll move over here so we can see all the actors and then and it's got that whole handy cam thing the whole time like the whole time mm. um there's no there's never a still camera it's never locked there's no like composition choices during dialogue it's just like wobbly camera moves around the scene encircling the motion capture actors right. um, and I, I really dislike that look of like a bunch of motion capture act capture uh, capture actors like flailing their arms around the screen and you know just like gesturing and doing stuff that mocap often kind of stinks of it's that Mm -hmm. kind of floaty looking you know hyper detail really it just but it just irks me um right so yeah it's not always like that in in the cutscenes. it's just some some of the time i noticed that like the framing was really bad or like it was especially Mm -hmm. hard to like keep track of who was where because the bloody cameraman wouldn't sit down for two minutes yeah i mean man it feels like all of the design choices they make in that game are so stubborn they're Mm -hmm. like it's it we're not going to have any cuts and like whether that actually serves the scene they're they're shooting or creating or whatever like it doesn't matter it's like that decision overrides any other decision that could potentially improve things yeah 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 and it's not always for the best you know like sometimes i think like limitations can be really good but Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like a, um, it feels like an overly deliberate limitation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, I agree. so how do you feel? Do you think you're going to, you're going to keep playing it, see what it's got to offer? Yeah, I'm going to keep playing it. I mean, I'm, uh, apart from all of the negative, I am enjoying it. <laughs> right. Like, right. It's fun to be had. The combat's really good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The puzzles or whatever, like I said, but yeah, the combat's good. Like, yeah. Like you just, like you said before, if it was just boss rush, we love this game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's God of War. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I've got three tender chicken strips for you. Are you tender? Ready for the three piece feed? I'm ready. My mouth is wide. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, footage of omnipotent Kojima's horror game has been leaked. Um, oh. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I, I saw some headlines, but I didn't do much else other than see the headline. Okay, yeah. I, I tried watching a little bit of it, um, but I think people are uploading kind of recordings of a screen. Right. If that makes sense to get around takedowns and that kind of thing. So I only watched it for like 10, minute, uh, 10 seconds and I was like, yeah, okay, get the gist. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's called Overdose. Um, yeah, right. Yep. The footage shows Margaret Qualley, who played uh, Mama in Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fuck, how bad. I don't know if I noticed this at the time or it's just like as the distance between now and my playthrough of Death Stranding kind of widens. But, dude, the names in Death Stranding are so bad. Like, <laughs> Mama, Die Hard Man. Are you, are you serious? Die Hard Man? That Die is your man. name? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah holy man. shit. I don't know. Like, I think I was just fully immersed, and I was like, yeah, Die Hard Man, what do you need? Like, <laughs> not actually questioning what the fuck was going on. Who, who else was there in Death Stranding? I'm trying uh, to remember. Uh, was, was, um... Heart Man was there, for sure. Heart Man, yeah. Uh, why, why put man... Why, why put, <laughs> like, oh, so weird. Um, I think Leah Sado's character was just called Fragile. Yeah, Fragile. I kept wanting to say Quiet, but I knew that was, that's MGS5. Yeah, fragile yeah. Was there, yeah, Fragile. And, oh, I can't remember D- Del Toro's character name. Um, um, yeah, he was, like, the one who was all sewn together in pieces. Uh, also yeah. weird. Uh, like, yeah, just, just imagine a bad name. <laughs> and that, that would have fit him. It was like uh, dead, dead man or something, right? <laughs> Sewn man. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so so Margaret Qualley stalks some halls and then a, a Hideo Kojima game appears on the screen. Right. Um, there's, there's been nothing from Kojima on this, though. Just dead right. silence. So yeah. um, it would be a very impressive fake if it turns out this is not a legit thing. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, very potentially exciting for, for Kojima to be doing like, you know, a cinematic horror game. Like that's, that's what we were in for with PT. So maybe we'll get take two. Um, yeah, yeah, I can only hope that it's half as weird as PT looked like it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope it's like nonsense, you know, like played in reverse video game with, with like, you know, puzzles that can't be solved unless everyone in the world participates or something. <laughs> it's got to have something like that in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I want it to be obscure as possible because yeah. no, no one else is going to do it. Um, all right, the next chicken strip. What do we got here? Oh, uh, Dead Cells. Man, this uh, this game just continues to churn out free updates. Mm. So they got a new clump of goodies called Everyone Is Here Volume 2. And man, you can play as Jacket from Hotline Miami. Uh, you got the Orb dude from Slay the Spire. You got Shovel Knight, Terraria. All these, all these guests wow. are, are coming into Dead Cells. Um, and like, all this shit is free. Um, you know, they released that game over four years ago, and they just keep 
shoving free shit in there and it's all yeah. super good and fun. And these are new playable characters, did you say? Yeah, they're like characters with weapons and like if, if you play as Jacket, um, you know, the like when, in Dead Cells, when you hit an enemy, you get like a little damage thing coming up, showing how much damage you've dealt. Um, yeah. And if you play as Jacket, it's all hot like Hotline Miami themed, and oh, you know, cool. yeah, it's all they they just you know they've they've got the detail to to guest star all those indie darlings, and it just feels really nice. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I I think it's out on PC already, and it's coming to console soon. So, just got another reason to play that game for another two billion hours. Yeah. Um. And my final chicken strip, this one is fucking weird. Um, and like, if you don't believe me, that is totally cool. I just recommend, <laughs> wow. I just, I just recommend you go and read. Um, there's a million articles. I would recommend the Kotaku one. I've got some quotes for you, but like, I was talking to Phoebe about this and she just didn't believe me and I had to show her and it's because it's not very believable. Um, so uh, Palmer Lucky, who is the original creator of the Oculus Rift, has created a new headset that will kill you. Um, what? <laughs> so, inspired by some weeby anime shit, Lucky yeah. has gone off the deep end. Um, so, there's this anime called... Oh, fuck, what's it called? Sword Art Online? Yeah, and yeah. It, it's a, it's a if-you-die-in-the-game-you-die-for-real anime. Um, yeah. And so... Palmer Lucky, in all his fucking cooked wisdom, he he does not seem like a stable individual. Like we're talking, mm. we're talking unhinged to the highest degree. Um, and so you know, you hear your friend talk about this, and you're like, that can't be real. Like a VR headset that kills you. So I've got some quotes from Lucky here. Uh, okay. The idea of tying your real life to your virtual avatar has always fascinated me. You instantly raise the stakes to the maximum level and force people to fundamentally rethink how they interact with the virtual world and the players inside it. He goes on. Pumped up graphics might make a game look more real, but only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game. I would like to just... I would like to say he says only the threat of serious consequences yeah. can make a game feel real. Like, this is some fucking whack QAnon yeah. shit. Like, he is way... He's way gone. Yeah. Uh, this is an area of video game mechanics that has never been explored. Yeah, for a really good reason. <laughs> um, so, you know, just Google VR that kills you or whatever. There's a million articles. There's even pictures that he's uploaded. There's, like three explosives on the top of this VR headset that's supposed to, right. like, push needles into your brain or some shit. Like right. it's okay. So it's, it's a proof of concept, like, he hasn't actually built anything? or is Yeah, it no, it's, like it's, it's built. He's, he's oh. not... I quote, I've not had the balls to put it on yet. Yeah, no shit. Okay. <laughs> like... Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that wraps up this three piece feed. <laughs> Fucking homicidal lunatics making <laughs> VR tech. <laughs> that's so good. That quote about this has never been done before is oh so perverted because it's like 
But it's often people being like, yeah, we can do this thing that that's like a bit new that we haven't seen yet. But this guy's like, nah, man. <laughs> this <laughs> I made something that will kill you. What is it? Does he have a, ga a game that goes with it or is it just the headset? Uh, I couldn't see anything that referenced a game, but it did make me think like... If, if this dude was going to try it, I wonder what game he would choose. Like, yes. if, if it's, like, a, a, you know, uniquely designed game for this specific experience or, like, load oh. up fucking Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of, like, some of the games that I've got in the, in the Steam library right now. And mm -hmm. Man Alive, you would really have to choose properly to, um, to want to be able to put that shit on. Yeah, look, I think I speak for everyone here when I say the only game I'm playing while I wear that headset is Animal Crossing. That's it. Yeah, what happens if you get bit by a spider, though, bro? Like, that's unpredictable. Oh, my God. Just just one of the explosive goes off, so you get lobotomized uh, if the spider okay, bites you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. Um, yeah, dude, wild. What a, what a... Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, see yeah. and do my own research yeah see that's what i mean it's just so fucking extreme it's just like everyone everyone should be incredulous about that shit because it's yeah. just like oh my god why why is this real we're we're definitely on the wrong timeline yeah yeah um wow well you, i see how you picked the last piece of news really <laughs> carefully this week because <laughs> This week, <laughs> the topic that I have brought is uh, the future of the metaverse and just the metaverse in general. So I was confused by the title initially because I don't know what the hell is going on in one society. So could you just do a quick spiel for us? I mean, I don't think anyone knows what's going on. Um, oh, excellent. But, I'm not uh, alone then. Yeah, so I've got a little bit of history here and a little bit of like a write-up that I've done. Um, oh, maybe cool. before I go into that, I can just give you sort of like the, you know, the average dude's understanding of what the metaverse is these days. Um, okay. And then and then we can go back, take the jump in the time machine and the one without the VR goggles that kill you <laughs> on it. Um, uh, see what's up. Sweet. So yeah, uh, the metaverse uh, currently as it stands is like a series of different experiences that you can use or that you can access via either a laptop or like VR goggles. Mm -hmm. um, so the main one that's kind of been floating around um, is the, the metaverse one that uh, Meta put out, aka Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. And you just, you know, it's, it, the experience is like at the front of like the store on, on most VR headsets for for quests so you just you find it and you can access it pretty easily right so that um, that thing is live now that yeah that, there's that i think thing. that yeah there's there's various um like parts of it that are like open to, to the public and i think there's other parts that are still being kind of worked on or in progress or in beta or whatever right yeah um there's some other ones out there um but they all kind of do the same thing. Um, one that we're going to talk about later is called Decentraland. And I think mm -hmm. that sort of gives you a clue about the kind of vibes that are going on. Um, yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of just wanted to like talk about where this stuff goes because it's really closely adjacent to video games. And like, I think video games are kind of the spawning zone for a lot of this technology. Right. The, 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 the gateway kind of, to the metaverse. Yeah the gateway that gets all of the people who are interested in creating these things excited about the prospect of having it be, you know, accessible by everyone and like a, 
So, so um, one of the things that came out a little while ago, I think it was like a year ago now, was Meta rebranded and they or Facebook rebranded to Meta and they put out this like hour and a half long video of like, here's all the things we want to do in the metaverse. And it was like, you can play games and you can meet up with friends in social spaces and you can work. And, um, and work was like a really big one. They were like, you know, with like a hybrid work, work style these days, people are like half in office and half from home. And mm-hmm. hey, wouldn't it be nice if you're from home, you can actually kind of be more present um, mm-hmm. is kind of the vibe. Um, so yeah, the, the, the work part was a huge part of it. But um, yeah, that, that what go, go. And if you've got an hour, I'm sure there's like an edited down version, like a trimmed version of the hour and a half long video, because I don't recommend watching the full thing. It's kind of mind numbing. But um, <laughs> definitely go and check out like what the vision is. You can just skip through the video as well and see, you know, right see the the cliff notes i guess right so they're basically outlining a roadmap yeah they're like here's our vision it's more like a previs i guess for like the future of the tech that they're currently working on right okay so this is this is some pre-alpha early development shit really totally yeah and i think the stuff that's out right now that you can kind of see footage of i think we memed on it a little while ago that video of um mark zuckerberg standing in front of the eiffel tower oh yeah dude with the fucking ice cream scoops for hills in the background and it just looked terrible yeah we'll circle back around to the art part of it a bit later Um, art in quotation marks yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) because yeah i think that's like a huge aspect that's just been kind of uh, yeah we'll return we'll return okay um so here's the history are you ready to jump in the time machine with me I'm, i'm so ready i'm i'm pulling the levers and mashing the many buttons Hell yeah. This is a weird time machine. It starts early and then reverses instead of starting at the very earliest and then going forwards. So. I would I would expect nothing less of the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also a fuck name. Anyway, so here we are uh, at our first location. This okay. is uh, referenced in Neil Stevenson's book Snow Crash in 1992. Oh my God. Okay, I was going to talk about snow crash and and the sprawl trilogy i'm excited i'm so excited hell yeah i don't know about the sprawl trilogy so yeah tell me about that i'm just going to read you this quote real quick and then then we can move on to that sick so as far as i could tell the quote goes he's in a computer generated universe that is computer it is a computer that is drawing onto his goggles and pumping into his earphones in the lingo this imaginary place is known as the metaverse hero spends a lot of time in the metaverse and that's kind of where the term originated supposedly mm. though there's you mm-hmm. know there's um there's linkages back to virtual reality going really far back in time you know much mm-hmm. much longer than you would expect um mm. people people dreaming up a way that you could be taken from your life and placed into another world via technology is not a new concept but this is mm-hmm. supposedly the, the first um, reference to the word metaverse mm, um, yeah so yeah, tell me about this um this thing you were mentioning before um, so the Sprawl Trilogy is three books by William Gibson, um, mm. who, who coined the term The Matrix, which is right. essentially cyberspace, which is essentially the metaverse. Yep. Um, so his first book, The Neuromancer, which was 1984, um, basically, I mean, really, really cool book. Big, big recommend if you're like into um like world building and that kind of thing like it's Mm. it's the kind of book where the world is the main character and there's absolutely like characters and their motivations and a story that happens but it's like how they interact with the world that is like super compelling um so they basically have um a box 
called a deck and they attach dermonodes to their skin and then they cool. jack in and jack it ba- in, baby and it basically replaces you know the the physical reality with cyberspace um and some amazing really fucking cool things happen but they happen right at the end of the third book i'm <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm talking like last page of the third yeah, book yeah right. okay um so i don't want to spoil it but like there's a lot of exploration of like ai copying your consciousness um to like a virtual space so that you can kind of live forever or live a better life right in, right. in a lot of ways because this is based in the future and the future is fucked um yeah. but like a really common scenario is like uh iconic people who were like um exceptional uh jockeys they were called like these operators of decks that could go into high uh, cyberspace and like hack company profiles and steal money and basically when people were really good at this companies would pay to have their consciousness copied onto um you know like a hard drive or something so that they could refer to them and get their advice for like you know the the rest of time um Right, but it's yeah. like a bit of like a Steve Jobs wishes he could have been around in this time so that he could have made the the proper next set of iPhones. Ex- <laughs> of, yeah, exactly. Right. So you you kind of like enable yourself to live forever, but companies because like I mean William Gibson is just extremely critical of capitalism, and mm-hmm. so you know because this is based in the future and capitalism is just overwhelming in its presence. Um, you, like companies buy uh, g- ghosts of past jockeys to right. help design systems, keep things current, you know, design security systems for the, the cyberspace and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's a, a really cool exploration of like cyberpunk, the, the matrix or like a virtual world that, is where a lot of people spend the majority of their time. Um, right. I guess the framing in his trilogy is more from a corporation standpoint. Um, like corporations become uh, so big and they take up so much space in cyberspace that they eventually start to form a conscience. Uh, or oh, right. sorry, no, uh, they start to form consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they effectively become sentient. Um, and it's just really, really cool. But that's probably a couple of um, increments more profound than the metaverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we can we can start. That's really interesting stuff. The whole like um, duplicating of yourself into the online space is like an AI, mm. or you know, having some way in it to replicate your your um intellectual form in a virtual world um so Mm. you can live forever or even have it just be something that's referenceable by people who are alive so that you can talk to you know folks uh is Mm. a bit of a weird scary new world that we can maybe talk about a little bit yeah um yeah yeah you you actually um took the wheel and steered the time machine directly into the path of the next one which was yeah 1984 william gibson's uh neuromancer series hell Um, yeah so yeah, moving hastily along, we are going backwards again to 1981 to a, uh, a book called True Names by Vernor Vinge. 
Mm. Um, and so this was an important one because it was actually cited as the inspiration for the first real metaverse game. And so we'll get to that wow. in a sec, but I just wanted to read you this quote from True Names. It's a bit yeah. silly, so strap in. <laughs> I'm strapped. Um, <laughs> Ordinarily, a prudent warlock used only limited bandwidth and so was confined to a kind of linear personal perception. If they grabbed a few hundred megahertz of com space and a bigger share of rented processes, they could manipulate and search files in a way that would boggle Virginia the Femcop. <laughs> uh, that's the first time I've heard the term Femcop. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's, that sounds really cool. That's like exploring, um, you know, like cyberspace or a virtual world as a physical space. And then yeah. like, what was the, what was the, um, the, the currency or whatever, megabits or yeah. something. Yeah. Megahertz. So like yeah. megahertz. So like they take up a set amount of megahertz and then that's actually space in cyberspace or the metaverse yeah. or wherever that that pe other people can't access because it's filled. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that's it's a genuinely creatively uh, interesting vibe that all that stuff that you're just talking about like a limited space style, you know, um a reserved processing power kind of thing that you need to be able to access or afford or you know like have have the ability to use all that sort of stuff is kind of interesting so mm. um this, like i said this book inspired lucas films to make a game called habitat back in 1985 for the commodore 64 whoa this is sick i don't know about any of this yeah and so <laughs> I didn't know about this either. And so Habitat was this sort of like 2D side-scrolling, almost like Tamagotchi style game mm -hmm. um, where you could connect your Commodore to dial-up to a dial-up modem and um, meet up with people in this little 2D side-scrolling Tamagotchi world and talk with them via keyboard. Whoa. Yeah. That's actually kind of sick for 1985. Right? What the fuck? Yeah, they were doing it back in 1985, man. Yeah, so uh, maybe after this, I'll send you some uh, links to the videos of people playing Habitat and you can see what it looks like. It's it's surprisingly, you know, not high res, but it's, yeah, it's, there's, there's quality there. I mean, it's and, 1985, you know, my expectations for technology doing something like this and doing it well <laughs> are mighty low. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it did it well. I don't think it had a, you know, obviously it didn't have a wide adoption rate and there was not really enough to keep it going. So it shut down shortly after. Mm. Um, but yeah, you could totally walk around this little area and have little conversations with people. Um, wow. Which, which, which is kind of the, at its most threadbare, that's kind of what the metaverse is, you know, a virtual place. Totally. And I thought Habbo Hotel was original. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the devs wrote this post-mortem um, after they finished, you know, after the game had released and shut down about uh, Habitat. And they said a few things, and uh, I just want to touch on each, each of them. All right. Um, we sort of already touched on the first one. The, the quote is, a multi-user environment is essential to the idea of cyberspace. Mm -hmm. um so you know the idea of that you can have a space in which people are able to join together and you know have multiple people there and have them interacting that's kind of the idea of the game mm -hmm. um and it's essential so the next quote is communications bandwidth is a scarce resource so mm. yeah that's sort of like what you're talking about before there's like a limited amount of stuff to go around and um yeah at the time dial up was such that you could really only have 
you know, slow moving, <laughs> like bits and bobs conversations with people that were, you know, there wasn't much to go off there. Yeah. And I, li I like too the insinuation from that 1981 quote that you had that like a, a prudent warlock would do this yeah. as in like, it's, it's a smart idea to take up a, a, a smaller amount of space, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I like the idea that you actually have license over the amount of space you're taking up to do whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Which flies a little bit in the face of what we're seeing these days. You know, <laughs> like it's sort of like this very ex not accessible in a bad way. Uh, not accessible in a good way, but accessible in a bad way. You know, it's, it's extremely homogenized, you know, like you need to mm. have this exact same experience across the board. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll continue. The um, final quote is data communications standards are vital. So, and that's a little bit what I was talking about with the homogenization, you know. So if meta is to succeed in creating a metaverse for today's society, a lot of the stuff that it would want to do would want to be interoperable with other systems that pro uh, that already exist. Mm, so yeah. for example, you know, you'd want like a Twitter app inside of metaverse that would make browsing Twitter inside the metaverse tenable and like yeah. actually usable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'd want to be able to do your online banking and see your statements and, you know, go send emails or whatever. And it's all such, all in such a way that speaks to other pre-existing systems. Um, and that are not, it's like, nothing at the moment is really stand standardized across the board especially in terms of software like i mentioned in a previous episode about um games development with regards to cryptocurrency yeah. there's like no one agrees on what the up access is or how many frames a second should be playing or whatever you know there's like yeah yeah all sorts of um discrepancies between technology these days which makes it increasingly hard to have a standard and this is one of the learning points from 1985 <laughs> from Habitat <laughs> saying data communication standards are vital so they're saying you know everything needs to be speaking the same language in order for this to be uh, uh something we can make and uh you know I'm, currently I'm, it's not <laughs> it's I, not like that at all yeah i mean that's that's got to be one of the biggest challenges right like even yeah. even just between countries I mean, we saw it with Stadia. Like, Australia just mm. isn't ready for this shit, basically. Yeah. Like, we don't have the satellites. We don't have the bandwidth. Like, you know, our prime minister's out there banging kangaroos. Like, the the priority <laughs> is not to, like, fix our internet. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just, like, for Australia to be part of this conversation, like, so much needs to change. And you see it with all kinds of, like... Um, technological introductions like even just with basic stuff like the Steam Deck like Australia always gets it last and there's like mm. a market share argument to be made there but like Australia buys millions and millions of dollars worth of tech every year like even though we're like whatever it is 26, 27 million across all of Australia like that's our population like yep. per capita we buy a lot of technology um, yeah. and it's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me how bad our infrastructure is, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm kind of going off topic, but yeah, the, the no, fact that you need, you need to standardize everything, um, that's going to be especially hard between companies. So in, in, to quote you, this post capitalism wasteland, <laughs> yeah. um, like basically one of the solutions to that problem is is being a giant multi-billion dollar company yes. yeah. so that 
you don't have to work with anyone else. You get to design everything from the ground up. And because, you know, you run the biggest social media website in the world, you can just be like, oh, you know, you're not going to convert all of those users, but you're probably going to get some of them. And in this case, some is like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's a really good point. I think currently countries like China with their WeChat app are really well placed to, you know, facilitate a service like the metaverse. Mm-hmm. You basically just port over the WeChat app and have it be a bit like workable in VR in such a way that it just is in VR now, you know, like yeah. we don't sell mobile phones here anymore. We only sell AR or VR headsets mm-hmm. and that's how you get around now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, it's, but whereas in Australia, for example, yeah, we've just got like, you know, a cup and a string to speak to our <laughs> relatives in Canberra over there. And it's like, you know, it takes a little while for the, the voice to travel along the string. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the, the history that I was able to dig up and a few little points that I wanted to, to mention there. Um, Super cool, man. I never would have guessed in a million years that 1985 was the first time a video game tried to pull this shit off. Yes, specifically citing the metaverse as well, which is pretty cool. Wild, um, wild yeah. shit. Or not citing the metaverse, but citing a, a, a book that had talked about, you know, virtual worlds. Um, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have some closing, well, not some closing thoughts, but just some like thoughts in general that I jotted down here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hear them and we can, we can pontificate. Also, did I, so I've been reading a lot this year, right? And like, there, there are some words that I just feel like I've always known. Like I knew pontificate was to like expound on something, Uh but, but did you know, like pontificate is to expound on something, but it's more specific that it's to expound on something pompously. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that but that makes sense yeah i didn't know that either but don't you think that that's one of those words that sounds yeah like it's yeah. meaning yeah totally yeah, yeah. i just anyway. imagined a, a dude in like a, a smoking chair in front of a fire and he's just like talking to a room of disinterested people like that's what I when I say <laughs> top hat and a monocle yeah that's yeah the, yeah yeah that's the image <laughs> anyway yeah, sorry yeah. go on let's let's hear your uh your your notes um so yeah i just wrote a little bit here that these are kind of like general um musings uh mostly on the negative part of this but i do think there's some interesting positive interest uh, the future prospects for metaverse stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah just just as a little heads up before i go in because i'm going to go in a little bit hard here so (laughs) okay um i'm tied down let me have it Uh, (laughs) i'm strapped in i'm (laughs) tied down i'm strapped in what else do you want from me uh so okay here we go <clears throat> Through colonialization and uh, capitalist expansion, we've seen a grab for land and resources as a means to gain power and influence. Uh, most all of the land has been settled and the resources assigned or sold off in our you know, current flesh and blood real world. Um, next, the attention has been commodified. So, you know, uh, television and social media mm-hmm. using advertising uh, targeted specifically at certain individuals so that they're able to sell things more efficiently yeah um so that's kind of been like the next frontier you know first we had like countries and you know then resources and and now we've got attention Mm. um yeah and also it's not just like ads being targeted specifically to like people but it's the amount of space in our days that are taken up by advertising yeah like it's it's way more prolific than it ever was 
totally yeah yeah so you see sort of like this creep you know of like mm. the ever the, the territory in which we uh, exist being um exploited for profit bro um, when when we were living together and yeah. watching youtube videos they didn't have ads yeah <laughs> yeah like that is wild to think yeah. about today can you imagine can yeah. you imagine no ads no. and not not having to pay no ads that's yeah. just, that's so foreign right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I don't know, man. It's, it's yeah, it, it's, there was always like banners and stuff around, but there was never like interstitials or like pre-rolls mm. or whatever, or post-rolls. It's just like, you know, you'd have a banner and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's still banners too, whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of that that first part. Um, and now um, for me, oh, sorry, there's one, one, last, one last part here is next our attention is... Uh, Oh, sorry. Um, let me just catch up to where I was. Um, and now through uh, apps like TikTok and other, you know, other social medias, uh, mm -hmm. they're using algorithms that are sort of these weird black boxes um, that are sometimes designed and created by foreign actors and countries as a means to mask other data. And so this is getting a little bit sort of, you know, um, tinfoil hat-ish, mm -hmm. but, you know, big, big data is extremely valuable and... Um, it's worth looking at the people who create or the countries and actors that create these systems in which we spend a lot of our time or some of us spend a lot of our time um, and the, the data in which we give up willingly um, is kind of alarming. And I so I think big data is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a extremely granular look at the way that huge populations um, can live and work and move around and interact and it's just extremely valuable. So Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, companies pay big big dollars for like yep. our, our, what gender we are, what age range we belong in or belong yep. to and all that kind of shit, because it like changes and influences them to advertise things at us. Like they're, they're, you know, they're going to advertise things related to having children and making babies yep. to us because we're early thirties. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's apps, you know, like uh, TikTok. people are always talking about the algorithm on TikTok. No one really understands how it gets people. So right. Mm. You know, it'd be like after a couple of days of using the app or even after a couple of hours using the app, it starts showing you things that you find interesting or funny or useful. Um, right. and it's not clear exactly how it's doing those things. Um, Cause you can just use the app and not necessarily be, actively commenting or liking specific things and your feed mm. will start to get tailored and you're like how does it know and so um you know i suspect it's taking um front-facing camera eye tracking data it's probably taking finger data on how long you leave your thumb on the screen for certain things the speed at which you scroll past videos is also another interesting uh, metric they can use to pull data from the viewer uh, all sorts of stuff so it's just yeah. it, it goes deep you know yeah. um yeah, probably volume. If it's not necessarily re recording, it could be hitting volume on here's you laugh or whatever to specific things. There's all mm. sorts of you know, little yeah, bits yeah. and bobs like that that are getting commodified. And so, yeah, the, the metaverse is sort of being pitched as like this, you know, next version of the internet, right? Web 3.0, where you can inhabit uh, and live within it instead of, instead of simply like looking at a website from the outside. Yeah. Um, however, to me, that, that's sort of like a bit of a thinly veiled attempt <laughs> um, at sort of at, at um, covering up the fact that it's like a semi-infinite conglomerate owned resource that could be sold pretty much like land and that we've yeah. sort of seen happen quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and in the case of, you know, WeChat with China or Facebook with the West, um, it's sort of all, if it is all centralized and all owned by that one 
company, then they run their own currency and they run their own servers. And so mm -hmm. there's very little overhead, for example, on a lot of the transactions and things that happen. It's all, you know, self-contained and yep. profit-driven machine. So yep. one example of, uh, that I saw earlier was a doco about a Canadian dude who had a cafe and um, he spent 15,000 Canadian dollars buying a small plot of land in the metaverse to replicate the cafe. Um, uh, yeah, and since then, that plot of land has lost two thirds of its value just because of the crypto crash that's been going on. But uh, yeah, it's, I thought that was a bit grim, you know. And I also took a couple of screenshots of what the cafe looks like in real life, which is like, you know, this little cute little hole in the wall with a lot of eclectic characters and cool stuff on the walls. And then the, mm -hmm. the um, metaverse or the Decentraland equivalent, which is this extremely bare, <laughs> really <laughs> grim, you know, lit by neon lights sort of thing, uh, abomination, if you will. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just, it just feels too early for shit like that. Right. You know, yeah. that, 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 that person is jumping the gun it by like 80 years like that's what that, i think yeah that person is jumping the gun in a major way because if like web what did you say web if web 3.0 is this virtual world that we can access you know whenever we feel like and we can go and sit, meet our friends there and like hang out in our cafe like in our favorite cafe virtually there's already limitations there and they're the physical limitations of the fact that drinking coffee in a virtual cafe is really just you sitting with a VR headset. Like that's, yep. that's not the same as going to a cafe. And yep. I think, I think that's why we're just like jumping the gun in a huge way, because I think like web 3.0, as you put it is, is almost doomed to be pretty boring. Yeah. I, th <laughs> I think, I think web 4.0 where like you leave your physical body behind and mm. and the virtual world is is you know your 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 consciousness is basically made up of ones and zeros that's that's when things um i think that's when things become tenable that's yeah. when they they become you know and there's obviously all kinds of ethical questions related to that like yeah, yeah. do you copy paste and so you've got a version of yourself living in the virtual world Both. that thinks yeah. the same thoughts that you do and makes the same decisions that you would or um like william gibson's books explore towards the end of that sprawl trilogy do you um as well as soma the video game Mm -hmm. um, and they call it, they call it their virtual world is called the arc in, in that universe. Um, like, do you decide to, to kill your physical self and, yeah. and that enables you to only have one true self. And so rather than copy paste, you're actually just moving your consciousness from the physical form to the digital world. Yeah. I, I, I think there's also another little one that we, that you lightly touched on before which was around like ais and stuff like that and so i think there will be like a you know in in attack on titan 2 how like when you summon the titan it's like an ai driven machine and you, it waits for you to get into it but it can like shoot and, and run around and stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's how i imagine like this web 4.0 to where you like idea is you know like it's always kind of existing your your consciousness is always there but whether mm. when you're not inhabiting it it's just running around doing its ai stuff yeah um, well and, that and, and, 
Sorry, that could be like um you know that could be like working a job generating you profit <laughs> you know like oh now that's some fucking dark task. dude that is well, fucking dark because like i think that's where it goes is because people are going to be able to forward multiple instances of themselves to be able to do things inside of the the future uh, metaverse bro so... if if you think we're going down that road and there's not gonna be a rebellion you gotta be insane there's, <laughs> there's gonna be a mad digital rebellion and it's all too late you're like oh wait all, my, all i keep my money did Digitally, I've got digital yeah. assets and suddenly all these versions of you that were on your side and are now against you and they can just fuck off. Yeah. Um, they can do whatever they want because they're, they're, you know, natural. That's their ecosystem. You're an outsider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's that part to it as well, you know, like there's some sentient amount of AI going on, whether or not it's ethical to actually have a duplication of yourself who is able to be an actor that earns money. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff there that that's like super weird and like dubious and odd. Um, but yeah, and then like in the simpler version of it, like I guess when you log into the metaverse, you're the AI, the AI would stop acting on that um, personification of you, and you would become that version of you in the metaverse. So you would sort of like dip in and out of this person's um, life. So right. it's almost like it's almost like they're dreaming while you're not there, and when you're there, it's real. Um, so it's sort right. Of there's a there's a kind of um, parallel concept that again William Gibson explores in those books where you rent your body out as a puppet mm -hmm. for other people to possess. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of you know uh, you know we get to the point where we're discussing AI rights and virtual rights and all that kind of thing. It's just like what if what if the virtual you decides they don't want to hand over control <laughs> you know yeah, this is yeah. the perfect topic for our 30 minute video game podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god um, so yeah as soon as we started like getting semi into like the the juicy parts it's like oh, it's time to go by guys bye. <laughs> um, there's one last thing i wanted to touch on which um i briefly mentioned earlier and that was the art um and so i'll, I'll a lot of i think this is really important like it's um a lot of the art that you see these days coming out of meta or other companies that are doing you know online style virtual worlds yeah. um which are sort of mass market and, and often have a crypto spin to them is mm. the art is really really bad mm. and I, mm. I don't think that's that's like i think it's a mixture of things but I, I think in order for this to have like wide adoption the art actually needs to be genuinely good um, and, and be, and look better than a lot of the video games that are coming out in the time that they're trying to sell this like mm. VR thing. And yep. so, yeah, the, the part of the problem is like, yes, the art needs to be better, but the, the, the VR itself struggles right now just because of processing capabilities of the lenses and our brains. And, you know, like we can't really necessarily have a headset on for too long because we get dizzy. There's all sorts of like, you know, biological problems that need to get solved as well as technological problems. So it's yeah. like, it's yep. this big bundle of worms. And then there's like a final hurdle that you need to cross. And that is this like social hurdle or like psychological hurdle where like people need to get used to doing a new thing. Mm. Um, and I think that one is also quite large. Like we'll probably be seeing that one a lot soon with regards to like AI automation, self-driving cars, all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. Whether or not it actually ever happens is the whole other thing, but um, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a big thing that I think often gets overlooked. Is like we've already seen a lot of um, people hating on stuff like the metaverse, and I think part of the hate is obviously on the art, but I think the other part of the hate is like 
new unknown weird thing that like is different you know <laughs> mm. which is valid because it is gross I, when i watch that um metaverse hour and a half long pitch video i just feel like everyone in the video needs to go outside and go for a hike and just touch <laughs> the tree right. like yeah. it feels like you know when you watch transformers and you feel gritty afterwards and you need to have a shower it's like that yeah. feeling but you need to just like touch some, something grass or like <laughs> eat a salad or something like oh my god yeah and so that's the, that's the vibe that I, that's the, uh, that's like my, maybe a bit of an old man vibe that I get from this whole thing is just like, bros, the real world is actually totally serviceable and we don't need this. You know? like, <laughs> none of the stuff that you're doing is actually worth any of the money you're putting into it. And all of that money would be better served being placed into making the existing world a better place. Yeah. Like, I, I really, I really believe that in my heart of hearts. Um, yeah, as much I, as I think there's like cool jobs and stuff like that in the future for metaverse, it's just like, no, I'd rather just live in a, a, a better place. Thanks yeah yeah i agree that's a that's a really poignant note to end on really <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good point we should end it there <laughs> yeah goddamn okay well, yeah. maybe we'll do a metaverse 2.0 version when there's more to say about it but yeah um, i love you know there's news or something about it totally i love talking about this shit have you um have you listened to um josh clark's the end of the world i have yeah Oh man, there, there, there's a couple of related episodes he does around um, AI and simulation theory, which oh, yeah. are yeah. really cool. The, the AI one, he spends an hour talking about like what it would look like for a neural net processor to take over the world. Um, oh, is that the paperclips one? Yeah, yeah. So he uses yeah. like, okay, so you set up a, a learning computer to make paperclips in the most efficient way possible. And so over the episode, he explores taking that to the nth degree where to make the most of, you know, to, to produce as many paperclips as possible, humans are actually in the way of, of right. the AI being able to achieve that goal. So, you know, it works out how to eliminate humans and boost production of paperclips and, and so on and so forth. That's yeah. a really good one that's kind of related. And the other one is his last episode on simulations theory where he talks about these Japanese scientists or this research team that um, were funded to try and figure out if we live in a simulation. Oh, um, yeah. And their uh, theory was that if we zoom in enough, uh, like, reality will start to pixelate. Yeah. Um, and so they, they zoomed in really fucking far, um, I'm trying to remember the, the analogy they used. I think they, they zoomed in so far that like, um, you know how we consider an atom to be very small. The, uh -huh. the point they zoomed into made an atom feel like it was as big as the earth. Right. So, right. so like just a, a ridiculous amount. And they zoomed in that far and they were like, we don't have the technology to zoom in any further. And they extrapolated on how far they had zoomed in and they were able to describe the computational power required to oh, keep yeah. a simulation like this running. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just um, based on the technology that we know about, it would be computers much bigger than planets. Um, which obviously introduces a whole slew of problems around cooling and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it was basically like, unless there's some other kind of technology we uncover or discover or create that 
processes information in a different way than what computers currently do, it's highly unlikely we're in a simulation. Yeah, I really love that episode. It was like, you know, the only place cool enough to be able to run these computers is like the far reach of space. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Places yeah. that the light is yet to hit. And so mm -hmm. it's like super fucking cold. And then like you need some Dyson spheres to like actually generate the energy. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So cool. Love all that stuff. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's that whole part as well, right? Like <laughs> like if we were to, to build like a, a realized uh, digital world, one that is good enough for people to want to like not leave their real lives but you know spend a decent amount of their real lives in then it would want to look and be better right like mm. you need to have something like that and so yeah if, if if that's the sort of computational power that it takes to to render our current reality then like what hopes do we have of creating something that is um better on our current puny little planet that's probably only half the size of the planet we need to be able to actually render a single pixel on, <laughs> on, on the size of the screen that we would need to, to to create a virtual world so yeah it's it's terrifying and weird and uh what, a, what an interesting little deep dive <laughs> yeah super cool dude i love yeah. that history that that yeah. was so interesting definitely definitely gonna check out some habitat vids after this yeah check out habitat hell yeah uh, Shall we wrap her up? Let's wrap her up. I hope everyone has a super lovely weekend, and we'll see you next time when it's almost the weekend again. Bye. Bye. Bye.